Hi, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm Sarah Bueno, and I will be your host for this conversation today. And this is a podcast about the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. And today's guest is a friend of mine who happens to be a musician. And so before we dig into the interview, I wanted to just talk a little bit about the music industry and sort of give you a little insider knowledge as to what's going on with musicians right now. And not that I am the end-all be-all of what's happening for all musicians, but as many of you know, I am myself a musician and have many friends in the industry. And obviously because of the pandemic, there have been a lot less gigs and it's not been safe for people to have concerts. And that is pretty much the number one way that musicians make money is by having shows and selling merchandise and they're not able to do that right now. And so, you know, the industry, I've I've just seen a lot of things about the industry being in crisis. So I just wanted to let y'all know that so that you could consider patronaging. Is that a word? Patronaging? Patron, because to patronage? (laughs) I don't know. Who cares? But at any rate, I want to invite you to spend money on these musicians, especially indie artists who don't have any, you know, backing from a label. And so Ryan is one of those folks where you can give him some money for his music. And we're actually going to be sharing one of his tracks. The track is called One Into One from his album Pilgrimage. And we'll be sharing just a snippet of the track at the beginning and the end of this episode. And and hopefully if you feel so moved, you can financially support him in some ways. Also, before I tell you more about Ryan, I also just wanted to invite you, if you are a fan of the show, to please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. That just really helps people understand what the podcast is about and hopefully gets us in front of more eyes and ears. So with that being said, let me tell you a bit about my guest today. Ryan Herrick is a musician, humanitarian, spiritual activist, teacher, healer, and home builder. Based in North Chicagoland by way of New England, Ryan sojourned to the Midwest to deepen his work as a healer and clairvoyant with Judy Hendrix in 2015. No matter the task, Ryan seeks spirit in all things, and his expanded perspective helps him to create, teach, and heal from a cleaner, more neutral space of compassion— He loves dogs, the outdoors, psychology, and carries a deep passion for Native American rights and advocacy. Ryan's new EP of C will be available everywhere on Friday, February 12th. So please enjoy my conversation with Ryan Herrick. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm good, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am really excited to talk to you. We've got a a ton of stuff we can dig into today. (laughs) We do. Yeah. Well, why don't we start with you telling people more about who you are and all the wonderful things you do? All right. Well, my name's Ryan Herrick, and I am... In light of all things lately, it seems like the message I've been getting is I'm a human being and I'm a human being first. But outside of that, from a career perspective, I guess I'm a musician, teacher, healer, humanitarian, and home builder. So I kind of have a lot of hats. And this interdisciplinary approach that has become part of my identity 
has made for a really interesting, exciting ride. So hopefully we can get into some of those facets today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I read on your website, and I didn't even know this before, that you're from Vermont, right? How did a, a child in Vermont in the like, I, I think of like rolling hills. I think of all the trees. I was there once and it was just like so open and just uh, like breathing. Like I just, uh, breath is the word that comes when I think about Vermont. And mm-hmm. now you're in Illinois. Right. <laughs> well, really. Yeah. I am born and raised from central Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, well, I so, fucked that shit up, didn't no, I? no, it's all good. That's in my bio because in Vermont is where I kind of stepped into my spirituality. Aha. Uh-huh. And it was during my college years. So I was going to school mm. up in Mount Pillar, Vermont, and it was new and exciting. I mean, you're in the mountains around nature. And so that has a very big place in my heart. I mean, New England in general, I mean, that's home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a very long story. So I hope you're ready. Yeah, yeah, bring it. <laughs> Between all the cancer and Scorpio in my chart, I am like such a deep-seated really big family man. I come from like a really tight-knit family. And that's actually where a lot of my trauma comes from. Not that mm-hmm. not that I had any major events in my life. I just feel as though when you're growing up in childhood, children can't give consent in the same way that adults can. And so we're mm-hmm. all handed with situations where mm-hmm. we're kids and we're thrust in kind of more adult situations and there's so much gray area and trauma happens. Sometimes really big learning lessons happen. Sometimes you can take certain events in your life, like a divorce from your parents or something. Yeah. Sometimes you can take that and handle it in a quote unquote mature way from an adult perspective, but other times you can't. But anyway, I come from a really tight knit family and I just had this kind of spiritual awakening in college Mm. and realized that I needed to get away. I needed, not because I had any problems with individual family members. It was more of like the process of differentiation. I was so enmeshed (laughs) with my mother and trying to prove Mm. to my father that I couldn't balance the identity that was blooming and also be who they needed me to be. Okay. We're going to go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of the kindling for the physical departure, which was while I was going to school in Western Mass, tiny little mm. school called Hampshire College, I found an opportunity to go out to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. And while I was out there, I met one of my best friends now, and she is my mentor. Her name's Judy Hendricks. She's a meditation teacher. She's my shaman. She's a tremendous healer. But we met while working on an all-natural home build for a family that lived out on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, which, for those of you who don't know, Pine Ridge is one of the most economically depressed and challenged areas in the States, and it happens to be on an Indian reservation. So there's a lot of intense sociopolitical issues and also historical subjugation of tribes comes up. I mean, that's, that's Lakota country. So, you know, if you've seen Dances with Wolves, Or, Mm. you know, you've heard of the Black Hills. That's kind of the area we're talking about. But anyway, we met while building this house for a Lakota family. And from there, we stayed in touch. I finished up and got my degree. And I was performing on stages in the Worcester area, which is central Massachusetts. And I just felt like things started getting stale. And I was dealing with these differentiation issues from my family of origin. And I decided, well, you know what? 
Judy's out in Illinois. She's right Mm. close to Chicago. So I'm going to move out there and pursue music a little more seriously and deepen my spiritual work. And from there, things blossomed even more. And we have since started a meditation and healing center. And I've just been putting music out like a madman. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at. Mm. And what's that called? The healing center? Ah, the Bliss Ninny Airy Fairy Woo Woo Wellness Center. (laughs) There's no mistaking what that is. Uh, Oh my (laughs) God. it. It all started as a joke. Really? Yes. So we got together. It was like my friend Chris, my friend Annette and Judy. We all sat down and we wanted to start this meditation center and this healing center based around Judy's work because she's developed this work and adapted it from a couple different schools of thought. But Really, what we wanted to do was find a way to preserve her teachings and also create a platform with which to help more people because this is highly transformational work and it's non-dogmatic. So what I mean by that is like we're not culty, we're not we're not here to gain anything from any of the spiritual perspectives or the psychological breakthroughs that might happen from the work. It's more like mm-hmm. we're humanitarians. We just want to help. We want to spread the word and we want to let everyone's individual freak flag fly. Yes. Um, and so uh, we were sitting around the conference table and someone jokingly said, what are we going to name this place? And one person was like, well, how about the Center for Bliss Ninnies, Airy Fairies and Woo Woos who are into conspiracies and... <laughs> the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And since I'm the one guy, all of the women loved it. They broke out laughing and they're oh, like, funny. we have to do it. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm the odd man out on this one. I'll have to, you know, <laughs> I'll have to do my mental processes to get beyond it because in this like kind of spiritual field of psycho-spiritual work, you tend to see a lot of like really light and like airy businesses or really like intense, deep, dark, and mystical mm-hmm. like trident. <laughs> trident spirituality or something, you know? And our work is really none of that. It's really based in compassion and just being able to kind of laugh at yourself at the end of the day and take things a little more lightly, finding amusement with yourself and Mm -hmm. the the lessons that you're going through. I find really adds that extra dimension of if you can like not take yourself so seriously, just a little bit, if you can loosen that grasp, maybe just a touch, you can kind of find a deeper, more deep-seated, a more meaningful way to release some of the issues that you're clinging on to. And feel free to rein me in because (laughs) I tend to really (laughs) like to talk about the idealistic aspects of the work and Mm -hmm. not pull in as much anecdotal. So feel free to kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Say, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah, well, I. it's funny. I've been lately struggling for words, and I think it's part of my spiritual transformation. Like, what's happening astrologically and we're a lot of planets are moving into Aquarius, which is more heady, right? Mm -hmm. It's air. And, and there is this great transformation that's happening. And I feel like sometimes it's beyond language. So it's, it's hard to put these things into words. Mm -hmm. I relate. Mm -hmm. As therapists slash healers, we are often the perceiver and the perceived. We're kind of like going through this process of like self-work, which is never, which is unending. I think I was listening to one of your podcast sessions earlier and you had said that you're always taken by surprise, but like sometimes you'll have a client and you'll be saying something to the client (laughs) and very Mm -hmm. much it's like you're saying it for yourself and it's like something that you need to hear. And what I call that is a matching picture. 
it's a matching hmm. picture because you know you have a picture in your mind or you have a certain situation happening and oh i got a match with that i got that picture mm. in my head too oh i got good girl pictures or good boy pictures yep mm-hmm. gotcha mm-hmm. and i mean i know that my work is a little more i mean i don't have like a clinical degree or anything like that so it's a little more i guess spiritual based but i know mm-hmm. that your work is spiritual too so it's hard to make that differentiation but right i find that like no matter what your corner of this universe is these matching pictures come up all the time and the path of the wounded healer is one that it truly is a gift to be able to work with others and help facilitate others but also learn about yourself in the process and mm-hmm. for me maintaining boundaries is one of the biggest ongoing challenges that i have to keep vigilance mm. with interesting cuz that that must be one of the biggest pieces that separates like therapy from more of a spiritual discipline or something like that because the boundaries like our boundaries are dictated by a governing body and so if we violate those boundaries then we can lose our licenses but there is no license or certification to be a spiritual teacher and so there's nobody saying what's okay and what's not okay and and a lot of people have been abused by spiritual communities and could be you know traditional religions or it could be or it could be non-traditional spiritual experiences yeah yeah, and I don't know how much work you've you've sought out for yourself, but sometimes it's nice to just find Reiki therapists in the area and go to them and have a session and just see how they do mm-hmm. what they do. From what I come to understand about Reiki is that Reiki is universal life force. It mm-hmm. is you yourself, the healer, are a channel for the universal life force that we're all connected to. And you know, this is where it might get airy-fairy for some people, but more or less an attunement process is where these Reiki symbols are kind of etched into your aura and you are kind of able to be a more efficient channel for healing and creative and spiritual energies. That being said, there is so much in the world of spiritual healing, there's so much out there that Reiki is just one little corner of it. And so what I've come to learn is that Reiki is, it passes through into my aura and out my hands. It's a very neutral energy that is not Mm -hmm. picking up any of my body's personal energy, anything that's like inside of me and enveloped in this skin and in my aura that is uniquely Ryan. So when I heal someone, it's the energy of the universe and it's not Mm -hmm. Ryan's body energies. But I have worked with some healers that are very much like just pouring themselves into another person. And that is just uncomfortable for me. It might work for some people, but it for me, it's it's a little unclean and a little slightly skewed from where I would like to be in terms of how I consider my work to be neutral or have mm-hmm. embrace a neutral perspective. So the awareness of that, though, for me personally, does stem back to family because I didn't have boundaries with my family growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And so part of my life lesson this time around this incarnation is mm-hmm. to take a look at boundaries and really bring them into question and and ask myself, how can I love these people? How can I change the contracts that I have with these people that I don't, the unspoken stuff, right? and stay true to my authentic self, but also navigate the world from that perspective? So Yeah, the world of spiritual healing, it's very vast, and there's a lot of different kinds of healing, and all of it's great. It's a matter of finding what works for you. And for me, I'm more gravitated towards the neutral stuff, towards the Mm -hmm. compassion-based, non-dogmatic, non-judgmental aspects. 
Well, and, and what you're saying, I relate to as a therapist too. And and when I think about a Reiki healer or whomever really like using their own energy to heal somebody, my guess is they don't necessarily know that they're doing that. Because what we're talking about is really subtle stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like energy work is working on the subtle body, energy body. So and as a therapist, I've been going through this trauma training that's also helped me really tune into just how much I was putting responsibility on myself to fix, to help, to save, all those things. And it was subtle. No one would have known, but I was feeling this inappropriate amount of weight on me in these relationships. And so through the therapy modalities called NARM, and everybody on the podcast hears me talk about it all the time, but it's really helped me change my relationship with my gifts of healing, changing my relationship with other people, and starting to learn even more subtly the nuances between what's yours and what's mine. And and I also, you know, talk about matching pictures. I really relate to that same experience of needing to be separated. And for me, I think I needed to be separated by my parents' death for me to really, truly be able to differentiate and step into my authenticity. And even though they're dead, I still internally have this And this thing that kind of pulls me back sometimes is like, whoa, don't get too big. Don't put, you know, all of your power out there. That's too much. You're going to upset somebody with that. And it's like, they're fucking dead. Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Like, nobody's saying this to me anymore, but it's what we internalize based on our our upbringings. And it's not, I see you're just nodding your head. So I'm guessing you're right there with me. It's an ingrained rule. And I would say I come from a spiritual family, but I have a vernacular where I can't, I can't just sit and rap about the nature of reality with my dad or my mom or, you know, other people in my close knit family. And that on a level that really hurts me, it makes me sad because I feel like I'm misunderstood. Right, right. Because you're the weird one when it's like, wait a minute, no, I'm stepping into an expanded reality. I'm th- seeing a 360 view and y'all are like this. Yeah. <laughs> Blinders on. Mm-hmm. And it's all very fluid. It's changing and they're changing too. So, we're all just learning from each other. And at times it's really overwhelming. And at times it's, it is what it is. And in some strange way, it's, it's kind of like, all right, you take the back seat. I'll teach you this time. Or, all right, you're going to do that to me and press that button, that button, and that button. And then I have to go work it. But to get back to boundaries for me and for the longest time, it's been very difficult trying to understand where the boundaries break where those lines exist. Because sometimes, I mean, growing up, I would take on my mom's pain, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like a sponge Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And it becomes so second nature as a child that it's just a running program in Ryan at age 21 or whatever. And here I am at age 30, still working it. And it is getting easier, but it takes serious dedication to kind of chip away at the rules and the contracts that we've picked up over our life that we didn't get to choose. But like an example, I don't know, have you ever been with, like gone out with a friend or a friend of a friend and you were fine and then all of a sudden you spent time with them and then you're like completely miserable or you're sad about yeah. something that makes no sense whatsoever to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here you are like hours after having spent time with them and and you're like, why am I feeling this way? Sometimes mm-hmm. you can catch yourself. Other times you might not even catch it. It might be a few days or a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. be like, you might mistake their energy for yours. And then you have an interesting conundrum where hopefully you can access tools that allow you to clean that out. 
clean it out of your energy. But those are the kind of boundaries that I talk about. I do some construction projects too. Sometimes I work with a guy who has a lot of like chronic neck problems at the end of the day or or randomly I'll have neck pain and I'm like, oh, Oh. this is him. This is Larry. Get (laughs) out of there. Yeah. And I find that if I can process it, it goes Mm -hmm. away. And it's a really wild thing. My husband is exactly the same. He'll take on the emotions of somebody else. And like whenever he spends time with family members, he'll come home and he'll be crabby. And he's like, why am I crabby? I'm like, dude, really? You haven't learned this by now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about music a little bit because you've released an album, which I listened to yesterday. And it's just so beautiful. It's I don't have a word for it. It was just beautiful. It was lovely. I was listening to it while I was working and found myself like drifting off with the music instead of paying attention <laughs> to what I was doing, which I thought was great. Cool. So talk to us about the the process of creating that album. Yeah. So this happened when the whole quarantine thing happened, like almost a year ago now, where everyone kind of got locked down. I had a guitar and I was just chilling and I'm like, you know what? I don't really feel like getting in front of the camera and playing cover tunes. And a lot Mm -hmm. of my friends were doing it. And that's fantastic. But for me, it Mm -hmm. was like, that's not going to make my heart sing. What was making my heart sing was taking the guitar, flipping on the iPad in the morning and just playing this kind of stream of consciousness, raga music, open tunings, making up tunings, making up the melodies on the spot. I don't know, you know, just showing up with the guitar for -hmm. 30 minutes. And people started really digging it. And I just kept doing it. So every every Friday, I do morning meditations where I just perform improvised instrumentals and, and in a flow. And you can just brew your coffee to it or stretch to it. Do whatever you want. Wake up, flip it on, mm-hmm. have it on the background, do whatever you want. But that became a practice. And not too long after that, a producer friend of mine got in touch. And he's like, I love what you're doing. He's like, I hear a lot of, mm-hmm. of really cool aspects to it. Have you thought about coming down here to record this summer? Mm. Um, Maybe we can put something together. And, you know, now's a great time because no one's doing anything. Mm -hmm, Just start recording (laughs) and getting stuff in the recording Mm, bank. Right. So I did and went down and I'm like, it'd be cool if I could get like four songs. But Mm. 14 came out in the course of a week. And I had my guitar. I had my my lap steel guitar, slide guitar, Chinese guzheng, which is an ancient harp from China. Mm. And we just went in the flow and just came out. It was really quite spiritual and quite exciting. And um, Mm. so this album I just released, I'm going to break it up into smaller chunks for the streaming platforms. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be like singles after singles. But I wanted to do, I love albums. I'm just, you know, who I am. I'm kind of an audiophile. So I wanted to like put out an actual album to commemorate that whole recording experience and also Mm -hmm. give something to my community. A lot of people Mm -hmm. do like CDs still. So that's kind of where I went. This album is very much meditation music, creative music, meant to be like the score for your daily life. Mm -hmm. And it's called Pilgrimage. So is is there a story behind that? Yes. So it's kind of like, for me, music is the way I transport out. It's it's like the way this really cool, I don't know, infinity thing happens inside of me where... I can get replenished by the music and actively create it and the energy comes back and there's this kind of cycle. My Reiki actually kicks on when I play. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, that's so cool. So it's very cyclical, but it's very in the flow stream of consciousness. So 
I get healing from it. And every time I pick up a guitar mm. without any presupposed notions or goals, I can kind of come to faith through the guitar. And the fact that there's at least one other person in the world that likes it, that's even more gravy. But the point is, is mm -hmm. like the instrument, it's kind of a spiritual tool for me. I'm, lo I'm looking mm. down at my guitar right now. You're, yeah, see yeah, you're yeah. seeing me like postulate to this thing <laughs> over here. There's a guitar on the floor. Your baby. <laughs> yes, yes, one of many. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but going to Lexington to record with my friend Duane was very mm -hmm. much a pilgrimage because it was like crazy, you know, pandemic times. And here I am loading all my instruments up and driving to my Subaru down to Lexington and jumping in and playing and getting through that interesting experience because we we masked a while in the studio and it was just there were so many different fluctuations I had I had been down there the previous year to record with Dwayne and so it was kind of like a night and day to be out in 2019 where the world was kind of normal and then to be back in 2020 uh, under the pandemic and to just see how the landscape of Lexington had changed within a year was interesting but you know, anytime I step into a studio, it feels like a pilgrimage. It's like, okay, we have these recording microphones and things are going to get captured. And for me, what's most important in the recording process is capturing the nonverbal and the non-musical. It's like the intention behind the music. It's capturing the energy that I'm bringing with the instrument and with the song. So it's very much a pilgrimage on many levels. Mm, that's awesome. And I, I love to hear your experience of that, like it, infinity. And mm -hmm. I can like, I'm, I'm like visualizing <laughs> yeah. like the energy as you talk about that. And it's funny. One of the things I've struggled to reconcile in terms of like what music is to me and what it is to other people. And I, I think this comes from my own childhood wounding, like singing is for me. And I've felt like when I perform the word selfish comes up and that's totally like my childhood shit. You know, my mom would call me selfish and it's like, I'm, I'm a teenager. That is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but I sing for myself. And the more that I've like stepped into a spiritual space and like really aligned with, I think, who I'm supposed to be, it almost feels like I shouldn't be singing for other people. And it's it's odd because I realized that like, I'm not taking anything from you by singing for you, but it, you, you know what I mean? Like, I can't even really put words around it. I've yet to be able to reconcile it. The further I go on my spiritual journey, the more that kind of like that wrench kind of tightens around that part of me. Mm. I wonder if it's like, well, as performers, as artists, we're often wounded people. And I think specifically in the music industry where there are performers, I mean, I would say nine out of 10 of the performers on stage have struggled with identity issues or, you know, mm -hmm. self-esteem issues, really. I'd say 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe. Yeah. So yeah. the way I hear you talking about it, it's like, well, maybe that part of you is starting to mature more where it's like, mm -hmm. I want to do this for different reasons. I want to perform for me first. And if you right. dig it, cool. I mean, I feel like we've all seen some of those artists out there. Like you go to a show and they're up on stage communicating this music and it has it almost seems like they consciously know it's not about them anymore, mm -hmm, that it's yeah. about the people. Like there was this guy, JJ Gray and Mofro that I saw a couple of years back. And he was one of those people where it was just like, he was up there vulnerable and doing his thing and just creating with his band and just having mm. a hell of a time. I think that that's something that I'm, I'm striving towards. Mm. If I get up on stage again, it's going to be less about, 
hey, look at me and mm-hmm, and more about right. I'm looking at you. Mm, that's yeah. it. That's it. That's exactly what it is because, ooh, now you're going to make me cry. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I needed to be seen so badly as a child and I knew I was a good singer. And so that's the way I would get that attention. Yeah. And so now when I step on that stage, it feels like even though I'm not coming from that space anymore, I think there's some shame about that mm-hmm. using, I don't know, like using myself, wow. like I was using my myself in that way. And wow, Oof, I'm going to take this one into therapy. Wow. Thanks. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> little egg for you to right? take and crack. Yeah. Well, and also, of course, there's like the abuses that I've suffered as a female musician in a male-dominated industry, right? Like, I mean, my first job out of undergrad was at this theater company, and we were all abused. So that was like my first first foray into the entertainment industry, and here I am, like a recapitulation of the narcissistic family system in job form, you know? And then, yeah. Music is energy, right? And I think people can use it against other people. And that might sound really weird, but I feel like I've experienced that in, in multiple arenas. Mm-hmm. Totally. And not to knock on specific genres, because I know it's not necessarily about the genre, but there's some like hardcore music where people love to just mosh. But for me, that just doesn't resonate with who I am. Mm-hmm. But I, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just that music is energy and music can stimulate different kinds of emotions, a wide range. Mm -hmm. And for some people it's moshing and it's a cathartic experience. And for others, they just show up to beat the shit out of people. That being said, I feel as though music has such a unique way of permeating a mental, emotional, spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe that's the potential of, of music. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how you listen, but very often when I listen to music, I very much get the body sensation from my head to my my feet. It just can kind of grab me and I feel it. I don't mm-hmm. quite see, I don't see the colors, but I just I feel it. You know, it, it really permeates. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever messed with like sound healing, but that's a really cool, mm-hmm. really cool corner of work, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's worth a look. And it's funny, you know, as you're as you're saying all this. Once podcasts really started entering my life, I stopped listening to music really a lot. And I don't sing very much anymore. And especially this year that there are no gigs, I I haven't, you know, been singing out in in bands and everything. And so it's, I think, yeah, I need to work on my relationship with music. Have you listened to Chants of India by Ravi Shankar, Mm -mm. produced by George Harrison? (laughs) No. That's really, it's really good stuff. It stimulates like, I get like past life flashbacks just listening to it. Holy shit. Yeah. It's sitar music, but it's also chanting in the traditional Vedic language. And um, Mm. it's, it's incredible. George Mm. Harrison, man, he Mm -hmm. did some amazing things. But if you want to like, just kind of spread your wings a little bit and listen to something outside of the box to kind of blow things up a little bit for yourself, check Mm -hmm. that out. Yeah. What's it called again? Chants of India. Chance of India. Yep. All right. Ravi Shankar. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we've already kind of touched on your answers to these questions, but I'd, but I'd love to ask them explicitly and, sure. and hear what you have to say. So sure. do you consider yourself a healer? I do. I very much consider myself a student first. I feel like there's just no amount of learning mm-hmm. that's ever... I'm never going to get to an end point. 
You know, right. I think that's the more you learn, the more, you know, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. That's kind of the point to life is like you can mm-hmm. never get it wrong and you never get it finished. But yes, I am a practicing Reiki practitioner. I also do tarot card readings and these you these, do tarot too. I do. Yeah. Arthurian tarot is what I use. So it's the Arthurian legend. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Really cool. It resonates with me. And I think that's kind of the point. It's like. Tarot cards mm-hmm. are just kind of a divination tool for you to read right. someone. So I also do that. And those those two offerings are in the Bliss Ninny world. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And I will be teaching meditation someday. I'm still learning. You know, I'm, I'm a little Padawan right now. And also the largest medium through which I do my healing work is through music, especially this year. And it's, you know, not only mentioning the album I just created and the, and the morning mantras on Friday mornings on Facebook, do yoga studio work. So I do special events through yoga studios when we're not in a pandemic. And community drum and dance. I have tons of djembes and percussion instruments. So I'll just Mm -hmm. show up at a yoga studio with all the percussion and just walk people through like rudimentary 4-4 beats and variations Mm -hmm. on it and get people just comfortable in moving and playing and do some kirtan as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, which kirtan is a devotional form Mm -hmm. of yoga where you're chanting. Mm -hmm. Yes, our editor Andrea does that. So she'll she'll probably reach out to you and be like, let's talk kirtan. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yes, music is the big medium for me for my healing work. But like I had mentioned at the beginning, this year, I feel like the universe is trying to like trigger me into releasing my expectations around career and dissolving the part of my identity that needs to have, oh, I'm the musician. I am the full-time mm. self-employed musician that I mm. want to be. You know, COVID has kind of come in and made it more like, actually, you are human and look at your life mm. and what do you want to be creating? So I started growing a garden and a few mm. construction jobs came up and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say no because right now everyone just kind of needs to survive it. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm not going to be a stickler about, oh, I'm gotta, I got to wait for my music gigs, especially now. It just didn't make sense. And I feel that I'm just being stimulated to embrace myself as a spirit living in a body. And that like a red-tailed hawk that's soaring over a forest, it's not concerned about what it's going to get tomorrow. It's just focusing and it's going to find a kill and it's going to eat and... Tomorrow, it's going to get up and do the same thing again. It's not worrying about mm-hmm. where things are coming from. It's just doing what it's doing. And mm-hmm. so I kind of want to take that lesson and be like, I'm just going to do what I do. And God or the universe or whatever you want to call it is going to provide me with the next thing, whether it's a music gig or a remodeling gig or a healing session. It's all encompassing. And I think taking that step towards like a, a larger me is kind of where I feel like my personal growth is at right now. Mm. And I, I thank the pandemic for that. And what you're saying also encompasses a lot of a lot of nuance because I think some people outside of, of spiritual world would be like, oh, so you're just like waiting for God to just give you a job. And that's not what it's about. It's this right. dance. It's an allowing of what is in order to make the decisions that make sense, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's like- One of my therapists had said it's co-creation. It's not God's will just like willy-nilly being imposed on you. And we can, of course, live in, you know, just 
imposing our human will all over everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, allowing is really the word that came up for me. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's like surfing. You know, you're allowing that wave mm-hmm. to carry you. Yeah. There's a very active part of it too. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I say it and it's so easy to say and it sounds so fancy, but I don't mean it like that because there's a lot of psychological processing that goes along with that. It's it's being able to look at the rules in my, what I call in my space, the rules in my space that dictate how a functioning member of this society ought to be, how I should make money, how much money I should make, and X, Y, and Z, the list goes on. But if I can break those down and let them go and look them in the face and bypass them and retrain my brain to bypass those rules that are not real, they don't exist, they're group agreements, really. But if I can step outside of those games, then like what you said, it's co-creation. There's just a stream of energy and it's a matter of just surfing on it. And again, I know how out there this might sound for some people, but I I really feel as though I'm living it. And I there's that place of like, well, are you living in a delusion or is the delusion, is it working? Right. It feels like it's working. Right. You know, I'm not causing harm to people and I'm mm-hmm. authentically trying to be a better person. But here I am justifying and feeling like I need to justify something. So, right. And I'm guessing that is your trauma. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I felt like when I'm when I'm on my path, when I'm aligned with where it is optimal for my soul to go at any point in given time, I tend to get the things that I want, but it's not because I'm just getting what I want. I want what I'm supposed to get, right? Mm-hmm. And so I because I think about other times in my life where there's just been a lot of obstacles and barriers it's because I wasn't aligned with what was really for me. And I needed those barriers. I needed those hurdles. I needed that to be part of the journey in order to arrive at the space that I am at today, right? Like everything that I've ever gone through is is because I'm supposed to be here right now, right in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this ties in, but what you were saying kind of made me think of this, which is going through the the Facebook ad world. I don't know if we've explored social media Mm -hmm, ads and stuff, mm -hmm. but it's very addictive Mm -hmm. and it's addictive. And it even has the likes and the hearts and the, all the little analytics and all those things. It's like Mm -hmm. gambling. It's like, Oh yeah. It's structured to be like that. Mm -hmm. And the illusion that it brings is control. Oh, I can control through X amount of dollars that I can get in front of this many people and convert this and then get that and then get money and then be a better me. And it's fucking capitalism. Yeah, Fuck it. Yeah, I know. And I feel like what we're describing is that place of illusory control tied in mm-hmm. with the American dream and also just being free and open from it to be able to notice the world around you and let other opportunities fall into your lap without mm-hmm. needing to struggle to get them. Right. right. Because the slippery slope is that sometimes if you struggle, but then you get what you wanted then that reinforces you to continue struggling and trying to control. Yep. That's the pendulum that swings for me still, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. Especially, you know, in a, in a career like music, it's like, well, I have to be in front of so many people, right? I, I yeah. have to get people to buy my album to make money. I have to be able to tour and get people to come to the show in order to make money. Yeah, yep. It's a very great learning lesson, and it's definitely encouraging me to rethink how I want to navigate through all of these different components right now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I could look at it and say it's ironic that 
I had a 2019 where it was like full-time musician and then the pandemic hit and it asked me to rethink. It asked mm-hmm. me to self-care. And mm-hmm. for that reason, I mean, there's, there's such a brighter side to it. You know, I, I very easily could have been like, oh, woe is me. Like, oh, I just want to get back out there. This is, I work so hard. Yeah. And, you know, there's that whole line of victim mindset. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was definitely... Yeah, because the pandemic happened yeah. to you. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Please. <laughs> yeah, right. But again, this is just getting back to the lessons that the pandemic is bringing for me individually. And I know that everyone, there's, there's just so many lessons and so many, mm-hmm. I mean, incredible stories and sad stories that are happening. I, I don't want to get locked in comparing. I can really only speak to myself and what it's teaching me right now, which is, you know detachment. Yeah. Well, before we end, I need to at least ask you, do you consider yourself a wounded healer? For sure. For sure. <laughs> and I I love the Carl Jung reference. Very early on, I was reading some Carl Jung. Mm. I resonate also with the fact that we find our own healing through our wounds. Mm-hmm. And I think that the other part, the other aspect of being a wounded healer is like that initial wound in some way stimulates you to want to be a healer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as you process your own trauma and as you get through your own shit, you are able to relate to more people through that. Yeah. And so, yes, I, I'm certainly a wounded healer too. Mm. Well, before we go, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you really want to make sure to share with folks today? Mm. No, but I guess I'll I'll just say it so it's kind of in one special place. If you like acoustic guitar or lap steel, pedal steel music, tune in every Friday at 8.30 in the morning central time mm-hmm. in the United States. And I just play improvised music and you can meditate to it or do whatever it is you do to it. And that is very much my my spiritual hello, my gift to you and mm-hmm. in the world. And if you're interested in learning more about the spiritual work I do and the type of meditation that I promote through Bliss Nini Airy Fairy Woo Woo Wellness Center, please check it out <laughs> at blissninniwellness.com. And of course, we're on social media, so stick around. I believe every Sunday we do a live meditation from our Facebook page at mm. Bliss Nini Wellness. So if you'd like to get a taste for Judy and the meditation work she brings, check it out. So lovely. Well, it's so great. It's interesting that I've known you for several years, but we've never gotten to really like drop into a deep conversation like this. And I'm Mm -hmm. just really, really appreciating it. Yeah. Thank you for having this platform and for having me. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan as much as I did. And his song, One Into One, I hope that sparked your interest in checking out his music. And don't forget, his new EP of C will be available on Friday, February 12th. Thanks, as always, to Andrea Clunder in the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.